Welcome to a new episode of Ew, That's Creepy podcast. This week, Jackie and I will be talking about the Uber killer, a man named Jason Dalton who went on a crime spree while driving for Uber in 2016. This is one of the strangest murder motives we have covered on this podcast, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Please be aware that this episode will discuss gun violence and mass homicide. Listener discretion is advised. (laughs) What's up, creepy cats? Welcome back to You That's Creepy podcast. Jackie and I are here again today with another episode. And this week, we are going to be talking about killers who were using either Uber or the Lyft app. You guys all know those apps? I've heard a couple stories about that in the last couple years. And it's really scary because I don't know if Uber and Lyft, what their background check process is, but I don't know. It's kind of just scary thinking you are getting in the car with a complete stranger. I know it is. And we, of course, are going to, that does play into this case today, obviously, because everyone asks, well, don't you run background checks on these people and all of that stuff. So we can just get into it. Oh, first, though, I do want to say shout out to my coworker, Missy, for recommending this theme that we do. She actually said that Um, we should cover the Uber killers on the podcast because she was listening to a podcast also, which was talking about, um, a case where an Uber driver had been killed. And I was like, damn, that is a good theme. I had heard about that happening a couple of times too in the past couple of years. Yeah. Like even the Uber drivers aren't safe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That woman in Pittsburgh, so sad and tragic literally for nothing got killed while uber driving for Mm. no reason a mom too oh it's so sad i know that broke my heart anyway but thanks missy (laughs) (laughs) thanks missy okay so just going to get right into it and tell jackie this little tale this started this whole thing took place in 2016 in kalamazoo county michigan Our story starts on February 20th. (gasps) Our birthday. I know. I read that. I was like, oh. The story was meant to be chosen. (laughs) It's somber. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I was like, oh, okay, that's great that this all happened on our birthday. Birthday murder. Yeah. On that day in 2016, like I said, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, A 28-year-old woman named Tiana Carruthers was in the parking lot at a Richland Township apartment complex. As Tiana led her young daughter through the parking lot with four other children to a nearby park, an Uber driver pulled up and he asked if she was his passenger. Tiana said that she was not and the driver pulled away. But he quickly turned around and aggressively started driving the car towards her. Tiana told the children to run, and she turned around as well. And as she did, the driver pulled out a Glock 19 semi-automatic weapon and began just shooting at her without any warning. What the hell? 
Yeah, the Uber driver. He fired 15 times, hitting Tiana five times before driving away to flee the scene. Thankfully, none of the children were shot during this attack since there were five of them in the parking lot. But, unfortunately, I wish I could say that that this was the only event, but Tiana's shooting was just the first in this night of just terror. Was Tiana killed? No. Oh. So, let us just take it from the start, because that is just a preview of what is to come in the story. So, let's just jump back a little bit. Let's take it back to June 22nd, 1970, when our main player, in this case, Jason Brian Dalton, was born. There isn't a lot of information regarding his childhood or his upbringing, mostly because nothing unremarkable happened with this man. He was an average, nice guy by all accounts. He attended high school in Kalamazoo, Michigan, graduated in 1989. Um, Jason then enrolled in a local community college. He graduated in 1992. Uh, All of Jason's friends stated that he had a passion for cars. One close friend and the best man at Jason Dalton's wedding, his name was Andrew, Andrew said that the two had a very typical friendship. They met when they were in their 20s, and they quickly bonded over their love of cars. They would take out their Charger and their Camaro, and they would drive together. I got a lot of my information from this really great GQ article, and in it, Andrew said that he and Jason would go to beaches, go to clubs, pick up girls, drag race a little. (laughs) Nothing unusual. Sounds fun. Yeah, so honestly, just your typical car-loving kind of dude in the 90s. Shortly after graduating from college, Jason met a young woman named Carol. By 1995, the two had gotten married. They had children in 2001 and then in 2006. So they had a boy and a girl. Jason was said to be a great father and a great husband. No stories of cheating, no abuse. He was never arrested, never had any mental health check-ins or any therapists or anything like that. So what went wrong? (laughs) I know. Well, I know. He also loved his dogs. He loved to walk his family German Shepherd. Her name was Mia. For a career... Jason went to a technical college that focused on automotive and diesel industry type of things. It was called Wyotech. And with his education from Wyotech, he could work as like a mechanic and do jobs like that. He went on to work as an insurance adjuster. And that was something he really liked because obviously he loved cars. So it was said that he did enjoy that career. However, one coworker said that at the insurance company that they would describe Jason as a little unprofessional. They said that sometimes he yelled at customers over the phone and he would slam his phone down to hang up on people and kind of pace around. Some customers also complained that his attitude could be unprofessional at times, that he would get angry 
But that's kind of it. And I'm like, people said that after the fact, you know, was it just he got angry once or twice and then looking back on it, you're thinking about it? I don't know. Yeah, that's true. But another of Jason's hobby besides loving cars was he also really liked guns. Yes, Jason loved guns. He had many of them. He had 16, actually, as of 2016. What? Yeah. I mean, no judgment, but that's... I mean, kind of judgment. That's so many. Why? I don't know. I guess because people just like to, if you're interested in guns, just have a lot of them. I guess that really was not unusual in Kalamazoo. It's not really uncommon in the U.S. in general to have firearms, but I thought that was a lot as well. So, Jason and his wife, Carol, they moved into their home in 1999. Their neighbor named James Block talked to GQ magazine. He also had a lot of guns. I believe it said he had 13. So, they were just using that to reference that it's not uncommon that people in the area that they were in had a lot of guns. And people sometimes did have targets in the backyard So they would shoot around and things like that. Not uncommon in this area. James, the neighbor, he spoke to GQ magazine and he said that the Daltons were quiet when they first moved in, but after they had their first son, it brought out their more personable side. James said that Jason in particular loved to chat that a quick conversation with him would be like 40 minutes. You know, one of those neighbors where you go out for 10 minutes, it's an hour later, and you're like, oh, we're still out here chatting. Sometimes that's good, but other times I'm kind of like, I have stuff to do. Yeah. By 2016, Jason was working as an insurance loss adjuster. His son was 15. His daughter was 10. He had been with Carol for over 20 years at this point. In early 2016, Jason decided that he wanted to earn a little extra money for the family. They were planning an upcoming trip to Disney, so he wanted to get a job driving for Uber as a side hustle. And it was kind of the perfect side hustle for him because he already has a passion for cars, so doing a driving kind of thing, he seemed to enjoy it. He had no problems getting a job because he did have to take a background check for Uber, but he passed it. He never had any run-ins with the law or anything like that, so Uber did everything on their part. He only worked for Uber for two weeks prior to this event. When he started working for them, the family noticed that he was acting a little strange, not anything crazy, but his wife, Carol, just noticed that he was quiet. Jason's best friend, Brian, also noted that in a few weeks prior, he seemed down, and when he asked Jason what was wrong, Jason just said that he was tired from driving. So, it was understandable, and, you know, his wife and his friends just agreed with that, thinking, you know, he is working full-time, and he's working for Uber. Maybe he is just tired, and that's why he's quiet. 
he wasn't doing anything else substantial or weird. He just seemed a little spacey. Not himself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. His mother also reported after this whole event that a couple days prior to it, Jason had called her and asked her about the group, the Masons, Freemasons. His grandfather was a member of the Freemasons, but she just thought it was odd because there was no context behind it. He just was asking her kind of what of them. And he wasn't in the group or anything, so she kind of thought that was a little odd. Yeah, like out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, February 20th, 2016, Jason Dalton spent his morning doing nothing out of the ordinary. Carol took their son and their daughter out for the day, and Jason walked the family dog, Mia, and he proceeded to run some errands. He ran errands, including meeting up with his BFF, Brian. They visited three different gun stores, but again, it said this is nothing out of the ordinary for them because they really liked guns, and they were regular customers at a couple of these stores. The workers later noted that nothing seemed off about Jason's behavior or about Brian. Jason was talkative. He even gave the store manager kind of a one-armed hug when they walked out. Brian did say, though, that Jason seemed even more quiet than usual and in his own head, that kind of thing. Brian asked Jason if something was wrong, but Jason just said no and changed the subject. The two went about their day, and they even talked about Brian potentially starting to drive for Uber as well. At the gun stores, Jason purchased a black jacket with a front pocket made for carrying and concealing a handgun. But again, no one thought that was out of the ordinary because he did own so many weapons and that was kind of his thing, so it wasn't weird for him to purchase that. After their outing, Jason told Brian he wanted to go home and possibly take a quick nap before doing Uber driving for the afternoon, and they parted ways. Later in the day, after 3 p.m., Jason took the family's silver Chevy Equinox. He also had Mia, the German Shepherd, in the back seat. He, I believe that he took her to the dog park, and that was why he had her, and then he accepted an Uber fare after that. Jason drove to a local college where a female student had requested a ride, but she actually refused the ride when she saw Mia in the back seat. I'm not sure if she was afraid because it was a German Shepherd or if she just thought it was kind of sketchy that the Uber driver had a dog, but she said no and declined the ride. Wow. I mean, I don't know really what I would do either. Yeah, I like dogs. It's just kind of weird. It's just not really what you would expect. Mm-hmm. Jason then accepted a different ride request, um, I believe in a similar area. It was from a young man named Matt Mellon. Matt had been out with friends, and he had left his car somewhere the night before, and he just needed a ride back to it, I believe, or to his friend's house. Matt said that he liked animals, so... And it was kind of a warmer day for February, so he didn't really think anything of it. He kind of gave Jason the benefit of the doubt and thought that maybe he was just 
walking the dog and accepted a ride afterward. He got in and he and Jason made small talk as usual. The similar, you know, the typical thing you do with an Uber driver when you're in the front seat with them and the dog was in the back seat. During the ride, Jason received a phone call, which he accepted using the car's Bluetooth system. No. Like, dude, pick the phone up. (laughs) Or don't. You're driving. Jason talked to one of his children. It was about something nonchalant, just about what he wanted for dinner. If he wanted his kids and Carol to pick up food for him or something on the way back. But as soon as he hung up... Jason's demeanor completely changed. Even though nothing significant was said during the call, as soon as Jason hung up with his son, his demeanor completely changed. What did his son say again? They just were asking him if he wanted them to pick up chicken or something (laughs) along the way home. It was just about what they were doing later and things like that. Nothing was even said. It was a normal, typical call with his son. After the Jason floored the gas, speeding up beyond the local speed limits and swerving into oncoming traffic in the next lane. What the hell? Jason drove violently running through a stop sign and then he sideswiped another vehicle he was driving so erratic. Matt is still in the front seat, obviously, his Uber passenger. Matt began yelling at Jason asking why he was driving so crazy. When Matt asked, when Matt yelled to Jason that he just sideswiped a car, Jason calmly said back, I didn't hit anything and just continued driving crazy. That is really terrifying. And it's sad because Matt said that Mia, the dog, just laid down in the back seat, kind of scared. Hmm. Matt began begging to be let out. Obviously, he was fearing for his own safety at this point. But Jason said back, didn't you need a ride to your friend's house? Finally, Jason slammed on the brakes in an area, kind of asking, which house is it? And Matt just opened the door and flew out of the door. He was so terrified. I would have called the police, but I don't know. He was probably just happy to get out of that damn car. Well, there was a couple who was having a cigarette on their porch on the street, and they saw Jason Dalton's vehicle screech up, driving all erratically, and Matt just tumble out of the car, confused. Matt and the couple did call the police, and they stated that an Uber driver was driving violently, basically, and almost held a passenger hostage in one way or another before throwing them out of the car. Matt's fiance then posted a warning on Facebook also saying to Kalamazoo residents to know that there was a crazy Uber driver on the loose. <laughs> And Matt's fiance included a picture of Jason's Uber profile and stated that, in their opinion, he needed to be arrested or hospitalized. Wow. Kind of foreboding, though. After Matt jumped out of the car, Jason flew back home. Jason loaded up <laughs> you his mean gun. drove? It sounded like he like, flew, flew by no, airplane. He flew, and I used that word on purpose because they said he like literally was going 80 miles an hour driving home. So flew, yeah. <laughs> his car Jeez. got wings and flew. That's how fast he was going. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. 
He just was driving so crazy. He drives home in a fury. He loads up his guns, loads up his semi-automatic Glock 9, puts on a bulletproof vest. Did he take the dog out of the car? Yeah, but he he took her back in. He leaves with Mia again. I don't know why he left with her this time, to be honest. He called Carol, but Mia is fine this whole time, I will say. Nothing happens all right, to all right. her. I mean, it's bad enough with humans, but when it's like an animal is thrown into the mix, I'm like, why? Nothing happens with her, but she was in the back seat, so that <sighs> is, like, significant for this one part. Um, but, so, yeah, Jason puts on a bulletproof vest, loads up his semi-automatic weapons... He then called Carol and he asked if they could switch vehicles because he had sideswiped his during the previous ride. So you did hit something. Right? Like, Carol said that the other vehicle was at Jason's parents' home. The grandparents were away for the winter, but I think that obviously Jason and Carol had access to their home and their vehicles. She said that they could meet there and she could give him the keys and then she could take the Equinox, exchange the cars. Jason said that they would, but then he, instead of going straight to his parents' house, got back into Uber and accepted another ride. What the heck? The next ride request was from an 18-year-old named Macy. She lived in downtown Kalamazoo, but... Macy was requesting the Uber for her boyfriend who lived in a townhome in northeast Kalamazoo, and she wanted her boyfriend to be taken to her apartment. Macy entered an incorrect address for her boyfriend, though. She didn't enter the exact address of his townhome. Thank God, actually. And soon enough, the Uber driver was giving her a call saying that he couldn't find where she was. He said he was at the location and he didn't see anyone outside. Macy was giving him verbal directions on where her boyfriend would be. And I think that he said, you know, okay, I'm pulling up. And so she hung up from him. Macy continued to call the Uber driver for the next 10 minutes. And she's sending him messages. Did you get, are you here? Everything like that. He isn't answering. Another resident of the townhome stepped outside to take out her trash, and she noticed a man standing outside by his vehicle, looking sketchy. The man jumped back in his vehicle and floored it so fast that he almost drove into the resident. Oh my god. Yeah, she was like, what the hell is up with that guy? As he drove down the parking lot, I'm sure you can guess that this is Jason Dalton, the Uber driver, doing this. <laughs> He's still lost. He can't find who Macy was talking about. First of all, he thinks he's looking for Macy, and it's actually her boyfriend, and he's not even in the right spot. So he's just driving around the parking lot aimlessly. And he spots a young woman, 25-year-old Tiana Carruthers, oh my God. leading her daughter and a group of friends through the parking lot to a playground close by. Jason approached and asked if she was his rider. Tiana said that she was not, and Jason started to drive away, but then he circled back and approached Tiana, rolling down his window and pulling out his semi, 
Could you imagine just someone pull, like rolling down the window with a semi-automatic Glock? That's for sure one of my nightmares. It's just so like... And you're with your child and her friends. Four other children and your daughter. Yeah. Tiana yelled at the kids to run and they did. And she ran as well. But she was unfortunately shot. Jason unloaded 15 rounds shooting Tiana in her left arm, her right leg, her left leg, and then followed by one through her buttocks that went into her liver. Oh my god. She might have only been shot four times actually, but still, it's just so crazy. Unable to move, Tiana just laid in the parking lot and played dead. She later recounted just hearing the bullets just firing and firing and firing, and she just stopped moving, hoping that he would stop, and thankfully he did. Jason then got back in the car and sped off. That's horrifying. Like, for no reason. She did nothing. Mm-hmm. All she said was, no, I'm not your path. I just don't even understand what is going on with Jason. The fact that he did that with children out there, too. Yes. And they said that he fired in... When the bullets missed her, they went into another apartment. And there were kids <gasps> in the apartment, like, playing 2K or something. Thankfully, it went into oh, a closet. But still... Oh, my God. Just not even caring. He's, like, traumatizing so many people. Yeah. He flew off... <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop saying flew off. (laughs) No, you can't. I get it now. He drove off again, speeding off, believing that he had just killed Tiana. Neighbors had heard the shots and came out. Thankfully, they found Tiana laying on the ground, but she was still alive. She was still coherent, even after taking four gunshots. That's crazy. She told the neighbors who... She gave them a description of the... Jason's appearance and they gave that to police as well. She also gave a description of the car and she said that the driver had a dog in their back seat. So remember that was particular about this person. Dispatchers started in Kalamazoo started to put two and two together because it was just 45 minutes prior they got a call about another Uber driver, a violent Uber driver. So, dispatchers did call back Matt Mellon and ask for more information on the driver in the vehicle. But, for whatever reason, they just didn't do anything with that. They didn't put out a BOGO. They didn't call Uber. Yeah, I mean, you said they put up... Matt and his fiance put up a picture of this guy. So, it seems it would be pretty obvious who it was. Yeah. And clear. They could, the police can at least put up the picture and say, we believe... This is, or at least their car. Yeah, that's kind of what is just a bummer about this case. If Dispatch would have told police with, in 2016, everyone's on social media. Put it on Facebook and on Twitter. The Uber picture. Yeah. But sadly, it just didn't happen quick enough. Jason drove from the crime scene to his parents' home to swap out the vehicles with Carol. Because remember, he's still doing that. Oh my god. Yeah, still, oh, forgot to do that. <sighs> On his way, he was photographed going through a red light at 80 miles an hour. Oh, is the picture public? I've never seen the picture of him going 80 through a red light, so I'm not sure if they published that or what, but 
He also sideswiped another vehicle in this trip, too. Like, twice he sideswiped in an hour and a half. In the new car now. Or no. he's on his way. Yeah, he's okay. on his way to get the other one. Oh. And a sideswiped the same vehicle twice. Nice. He arrived at his parents' home, hid his damaged vehicle in the garage. Carol came home. They switched the vehicles. But he, he was trying to take the family's Hummer... It wouldn't start for whatever reason, and he had to take his parents' black Chevy HHR. He told Carol that he got into a scuffle with a taxi driver. Not a scuffle, I suppose. He said a taxi driver drove up on his Chevy Equinox and started shooting at him because he was mad that Uber was taking so much of the taxi's business. Oh my god. So that is why the vehicle was damaged and he seemed on edge. That was what he told Carol. I would be like, then call the police. (sighs) Right? He told Carol to stay at his parents' house, shut the doors and the windows, and to not let anyone in. He gave her one of his loaded guns and told her not to go to work or take the kids to school on Monday. And she would see on the news what the reason was later on. Wow. Carol, I believe she just assumed that Jason was super shaken up and paranoid because he was shot at by a taxi driver. She believed his story because he never lied or anything like that. So she had no reason to think that wasn't true. So she just did as her husband was told and she shut the doors and everything. And Jason drove away. This time in the black Chevy HHR. Jason then just called back Macy after this. The first, the girl who was requesting the ride for her boyfriend. I think people assume now that he went back on Uber and noticed that she sent him messages after he had committed the shooting. Oh, shit. That's crazy. People assume he realized then that, you know. Well, he obviously should have known he didn't shoot. If it was Macy to begin with, because he drove up and said, are you my passenger? And this person said, no, I didn't even think about that. I have no idea then why he called. And Macy said he was extremely rude, saying that she had wasted his time and he wasn't giving her a ride now. I would be like, yeah, it's been a while now. Then why did you call? Yeah. So weird. That is so weird. Jason then left his wife and children He returned to the Dalton family home. He left the Glock on one of his workbenches, and it was found jammed. I think it had jammed, I assume, when he was firing at Tiana because he had used the Glock during that shooting. He loaded another semi-automatic that he had. Jason placed the weapon in his coat pocket, which it's disputed if this was the pocket he had bought The GQ article, though, said it wasn't, and that the jacket he had purchased earlier in the day was found still in the bag. Makes no sense. But he loaded up his other semi, and for the next two hours, Jason took Uber requests as usual. He made small talk with all of his riders. With some, he was nice and easygoing. With others... He just didn't really say much, but no one thought he was odd or creepy. And he drove normally? Yeah. Until 10 p.m. 
Then Jason drove past a car dealership called Sealy Kia. It was on a road that had numerous car dealerships. It was a pretty busy road with businesses and whatnot. Jason, he claimed he saw a black BMW while driving and he wanted to take a look at it. He pulled into the dealership and he noticed that there were two other men who were looking at another vehicle nearby. 17-year-old Tyler Smith had spent that Saturday evening visiting numerous car dealerships. He was on the hunt for a truck that he and his father could share. So Tyler was with his dad, Rich, and his girlfriend, Alexis, was also with them. By 10 p.m., though, Alexis was kind of over it, so she stayed in the car when they went to Sealy Kia, and she was just in the back seat when Tyler and his dad, Rich, got out to look at a pickup truck. As Alexis sat in the back seat at the dealership, she saw another car pull up into the parking lot. A man got out and approached Tyler and Rich. He asked the father and son what they were looking at, and as one of them started to respond, he pulled out a semi-automatic weapon and just began firing. And it's so tragic, Alexis saw her boyfriend, Tyler, put their hands up and, you know, instinctively start to say, what are you doing, before they were just hit by bullets, both of them. Alexis instinctively ducked back in the car beneath the seats. Thankfully, she was unspotted by Jason. He never even noticed she was in the vehicle. He walked right past their vehicle that Alexis was in, got back in his car, and floored it out of the parking lot once again. That is so messed up and so terrifying. Like, absolutely no reason for that. Just to shoot and kill people. And this part is so tragic, too, just to make things kind of worse. Alexis didn't have her phone. She had left it. So she waited for about a minute and a half to make sure the shooter was gone. And then she had to get up and walk over to Tyler. And he, I believe, was already deceased at that point. And she had to pull his phone out of his pocket and then call 911. Like, That's horrible. I know. It just makes things even that much worse. I'm assuming Tyler's dad was also killed. Yeah. Unfortunately. so tragic. Both Tyler and his father were killed. Alexis called the police at 10.08 p.m. to report the shooting. Jason Dalton had already drove away and was driving to his next target. He had fired 18 rounds at Tyler and Rich. That's so messed up. I know. Uh, Patrons at a nearby Burger King had heard the shooting, and they saw the car speed away, so they also, around 10, 10 p.m., called police and reported the car and that they heard it speeding away. Jason left the car dealership, And he drove straight from the dealership down the busy road to a Cracker Barrel restaurant where in the parking lot there were a group of five women. Four of the women were over the age of 60. Over the age of 60. I believe the oldest was 74. 
Their names were Mary Lou Nye, Mary Jo Nye, Dorothy Brown, and Barbara Hawthorne. Those are such, like, old lady names in the nicest way. I know. And Mary Lou and Mary Jo were sister-in-laws. Oh. They were friends with Dorothy and Barbara. And there was a fifth young lady, a 14-year-old named Abigail Koff. She was accompanying Barbara, who she referred to as her grandmother. They weren't actually related. I'm not totally sure their family dynamic, but they clearly were basically like family. So 14-year-old Abigail was out with the ladies as well. The group of five had went to dinner at Cracker Barrel. Then they all got in one car and went to a theater type of show and returned back to Cracker Barrel to split back up. At about 10.10, the five women were filtering into their cars. Mary Lou and I had gotten into one vehicle, while the other four were in another vehicle. Suddenly, a man pulled up. He approached Mary Lou's car on foot. Apparently, he said, he asked Mary Lou if she could spare a dollar to make America great again. No. Something that still makes no sense. A maggot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I got that. <laughs> okay, but... Uh, no, I have something to say, actually. I'll throw this in here right now. Jason's neighbors and every... Like, Jason's neighbor, the one that he would shoot guns with and talk with all the time, said that they talked about politics, and they both talked shit on Hillary and Donald Trump, saying, like, oh, it's so bad. Who are we going to pick? And James said he didn't even actually know if Jason was a Democrat or a Republican. That's so odd. So he wasn't even, like... I feel like the only explanation is that this guy's going, like, a full mental breakdown. But continue. So it just makes, again, no fucking sense that he said spare a dollar to make America great again. Mary Lou... Yeah, that that doesn't even make sense, the point of it. Yeah, even if he... Even if he was a Trump supporter, that's whatever, but that doesn't even, yeah, make sense. Mary Lou said that she didn't have any spare change, and Jason pulled out his firearm and shot Mary Lou in the head. The shooter then heard screaming in the adjacent car, so instead of just leaving... He shot all four passengers in the car as well. Jason later detailed to police that he shot in order the driver of the vehicle, followed by the passenger directly behind the driver's seat, then the front passenger, and then finally the remaining rear passenger. Then, identical to the shooting at the Kia dealership, Jason Dalton got back in his vehicle and drove away. As responding officers were arriving and processing what was happening at the Kia dealership, they started to get calls from the Cracker Barrel restaurant talking that there was another shooting going on in the parking lot. All of the officers from these nights were mic'd up, and one officer reportedly said back, we got a serial fucking killer going around. Oh my god, that's terrifying. So, police were obviously picking up what was going on. They're not stupid. They were seeing, this person has to be the same. Like, what the hell? Yeah. They also checked the security footage from both parking lots, and they could see the shooter was on foot both times. He looked the same, and he drove the same vehicle 
to the crimes. Police now put out a public announcement. I'm not sure, though, like, the specific details of how. Where is that posted? Is it just on your website or what? But they did put out a public announcement saying that there was a shooter on the loose. At this time, they didn't say Uber specifically because they didn't know that Uber wasn't involved in the first two. Well, in the second at all. In the first, they didn't really have those pieces yet. So they just said an active shooter. So police put out the public service announcement and they were also informed that all five women who were shot in the parking lot were pronounced dead at the scene. That's so sad. At this point, they're saying that they have seven dead. In the matter of, this was in the matter of actually 10 minutes, both shootings. Following the shooting at Cracker Barrel, Jason Dalton returned to his home again. It's unknown why exactly he keeps going back to his house. We assume to load up on ammunition. His neighbor, James, told GQ he remembers hearing gunshots around 11.30 p.m. at the home. Jason said, though, he told police that he was firing his gun. He shot it into the family shed, and he said that he just he didn't know why he did that. Jason then reloaded his 9mm semi-automatic that he had used previously in the night, got back into his parents' Chevy HHR, and drove back into Kalamazoo. Strangely, though, Jason started to just drive for Uber again, like nothing happened. Passengers getting in and out of the car even jokingly were asking Jason if he was the shooter on the loose. Oh my god. Sometimes he acts surprised with other passengers. He just stoically said no to the point that they said it was like kind of sketchy then. He didn't laugh or anything like that. It made me think about in Gavin DeBecker's book, The Gift of Fear, how he talks about half jokes like that that are dark typically have a serious meaning. So, like, trust that in your subconscious. Yeah. If you're making Mm -hmm. that joke, don't get in the car with these people. Yeah. Shortly, so Jason, again, for the next two and a half hours, is just driving for Uber around Kalamazoo, his loaded semi in his pocket the entire time, with all these Uber passengers getting in and out of his car. Shortly after 12.30, Police Sergeant James Harrison was idling at a stoplight, on the lookout for the active shooter because everyone in the police force was aware now at this point. He sat watching when he noticed a black Chevy HHR vehicle circling around a local bar called the Wild Bull. And ironically, the reason that this Chevy HHR, which I'm sure you guys know is Jason, was idling around was because he was trying to pick up someone at the Wild Bull But when she saw that his name was Jason and she saw it was a Chevy, she kept denying the request because she was nervous because of what she had heard previously in the night. Smart. But she made the request three times for a new ride and every time Jason kept picking it up. That's terrifying and I'm sure that's just solidifying her belief. So he's circling around continuing to accept the rides And the officer notices this. 
he knows the Chevy HHR is the one that was involved in the shootings at the Cracker Barrel and at the Kia dealership. So Officer Harrison silently follows behind the Chevy and calls in for backup. The Chevy drives away from the wild bull because the request just kept getting denied. And they decided to pull over the car. When they approached, they saw Jason Dalton, a man fitting the exact description of the shooter. His demeanor was calm, but he seemed off. He was a little spacey. They asked him if he had anything on him, and he just would stare blankly and things like that. So he was acting a little weird. When they searched him, I just thought of that Cardi B meme. That's weird. That's suspicious. (laughs) Police. That was police right now because they actually found a handgun tucked into Jason's waistband. Hmm. Cue that Cardi B meme. Yeah. And they thought, of course, uh, this is our guy. They placed Jason in handcuffs into the back of the vehicle. They searched his car. They also discovered that Jason was wearing a bulletproof vest. So, again, they just knew this is our guy. One thing that I will mention that was kind of odd is that, again, the officers were all mic'd up. And the officers in this case did do a great job. Their vigilance was what caught him. But they were caught on the audio saying that they were disappointed that they didn't have a shootout with this guy. They said the brick brick wall building behind them would have been the perfect background since they were in a non-residential neighborhood. And they were, like, all hyped up and stuff, but I don't know. Oh, that's not good, but okay. And one thing, though, I will say that it is interesting to have the officers being mic'd up because when they're talking about Jason, of course, they're all speculating and things like that. It is honestly strange. Like, when they're talking about it, it is like, wow, you would expect him to have a shootout. He's in a bulletproof vest. He's loaded up with the gun in his pocket. I honestly thought he would have tried to have a shootout with them. Same. And the officers also kind of speculated, I bet that he probably killed his whole family and stuff. They thought for sure that they would search his home and he would be one of those people who had killed his whole family before this. But they reached out to the family, and they were all perfectly fine. So it's just another thing. Like, I did agree with police officers there. I was like, yeah, I thought for sure that he, it would have been something going on at home, but... Yeah, me too. Jason Dalton is arrested. It was no secret that he was the Kalamazoo shooter. The Uber killer, as they would say. They started questioning him. He was still being really calm and stoic. They were questioning him for hours on end. He was pleading the fifth a lot. And then he started to say that he did have a reason for the shootings, but the reason was pretty crazy and that it'd be hard for anyone to believe. Okay. What do you think it is? I literally do not know. Like, I I have no idea. I was going to say, the only thing I could think of is, like, some weird paranoia, something you thought people were coming after you, and that's why he was driving fast, but then that doesn't explain, like, killing everyone. 
<sighs> Buckle up. Jason Dalton claimed that all of this was because of the Uber app. The Uber app made him commit these crimes. He explained that when he first downloaded the app, the Uber symbol on his phone turned into the Eastern Star, which is the symbol for the Freemasons. I'm like, okay, what's what it still? What the hell? He then claimed that he saw the image of a devil. The app turned into a cow-like head with horns. When he clicked on that symbol, the devil head, Jason claimed that the app took over his body and his mind, giving him an assignment that he must complete. The app would change colors depending on what the type of assignment would be. If it was red, if the app was red, it meant that Jason would just drive for Uber as usual. But on the night of the crimes, for the first time, the app changed to black, which indicated that his mission was to kill. It's really strange because many people obviously assumed that Jason Dalton was using this theory as temporary insanity, but he was totally calm and normal besides that. He told police that he knew that that sounded really crazy, but that was really going on, and he told them that he didn't have mental problems or any mental diagnoses or anything like that. He said that the Uber app was almost like artificial intelligence where it was in his brain and just making him do these things. What the heck? Jason claimed that on the day of the murder spree when he was out with Mia, the Uber app gave him a notification that was different than normal and it seemed to be summoning him to basically do something devious, I guess. For whatever reason, Jason told police he went to the college campus. The young lady refused to get in because of Mia. He then picked up Matt. He told them how the Uber app let him drive at high speeds without accidents or getting into serious harm. So he was driving erratically, obviously. Jason explained that during that time he was in a daze and that it seemed almost like he was in an alternate reality where his actions were not his own. He then told them how after dropping off Matt, he shot Tiana Carruthers and stated that the Uber app just had a hold on him. That was how he explained it, his exact words. And that is his reason for doing this. He's never given any other reason besides saying that the Uber app turned into this demonic thing and was almost forcing him how to do it. Jason did undergo a psychological evaluation because he's going to trial. When he underwent the evaluation to see if he could stand trial, he was found competent. And I found this interesting. When he was asked if his mind could have played tricks on him, like, did this really happen? What the hell? Jason said it was possible. Um, and the GQ article said that Jason's response to the question was, quote, that's what I've been trying to work through. I guess that's the heavy part. I believed at the time I was experiencing something. I'm not sure what that is. In the cell, it's heavy thinking about if I was imagining those things or if they were real. End quote. 
That's like really creepy. Because it is. He was so normal. And then it just does seem like, yeah, like the second he started Uber, I mean, he was tired, but like different, not just tired. Yeah, he was clearly different. It's just so weird. Like, obviously something was distressing to him the second he started Uber. And I don't know if maybe it's like, I do know if you're stressed and basically sleep deprived, that can cause you to have a mental break. But it doesn't seem like he was like stressed about his life. One thing I will say, another thing that I was like, that's interesting, but again, makes no sense. He was totally normal in jail. He was normal during the trial. But during his trial, Tiana Carruthers took the stand because she was a survivor. And at that point, she was recovering. When she was on the stand, Jason started just yelling out gibberish at her and pointing at her and shouting to the point where obviously Tiana got upset and was crying. Jason had to be physically removed from the courtroom and then escorted by law enforcement in court for the rest of the trial. But he had no further outbursts after that. What the hell? Uh, I don't even know. I feel like I've said what the hell like seven times plus in this episode. But I'm just so shook. I, I just really don't understand. So I don't have much to say. I know. I know. And please wonder, you know, is the thing with the app. He did have trouble with the app. There were a lot of times it would. It, I don't know if he couldn't use it, but there were times he would stop a ride and it would keep charging or times he dropped someone off and then it would start the ride after and start charging. So he had trouble with the app, but like, what does just... Then it's, it's just like, then find a different side hustle. Like I get Uber's really convenient, but if it's not working, it's not working. I know. I know. On January 1st, or I'm sorry, on January 7th, 2019, Jason Dalton decided to plead guilty to the charges against him. A month later, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The same week that the shootings took place, let's talk about all the victims in this case, because it's like, I don't even have an explanation for this. He's never said anything else besides this. He's never came out and commented and given an update, nothing. So to the victims, it's just all so tragic. The same week that the shootings took place, Carol filed for divorce, Jason's wife. Her and the children and the dog moved out of the family house where they had lived and Carol told the neighbor James that they were leaving and they would never come back. Oh my god, that's so... I could not imagine being Carol. I know. I don't think she's ever spoken either to the media or anything like that. I believe at this point I'm sure she just wants her and her children to have their privacy. And they deserve that. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, let's end on the the more positive notes because it's just so senseless, this whole thing. But on positive notes, despite Tiana Carruthers' four gunshot wounds, she did survive. She successfully protected the children that she was with. Oh. Such a hero. 
After the shooting, Tiana underwent surgeries on her arms and legs. Her arm had to be surgically reconstructed in order to repair it. Tiana has been outspoken and has completed interviews describing what happened to her in the aftermath. She also, like I said, faced Jason in court despite his outbursts and shouting at her. So Tiana really just is a hero. I couldn't even imagine the PTSD of just like a parking lot, someone driving up, rolling their windows down. For that's horrible, and that's such a like horrible part about trauma and PTSD is like something that's so normal to everyone else. I'm sure is super, extremely traumatic for her. And her daughter had to witness that. Yeah, that's the other thing about this case that really bothers me and like messes me up is that her daughter had to see that, and then. The son and his dad who got killed, his girlfriend had to see that. Mm -hmm. That's horrific. And then she had to get out there and basically walk over his dead body to get his phone. Yeah. She's... I can't even imagine. I do have a twist for you, though. Oh, what? As tragic as the shooting at the Cracker Barrel was, there was a miracle. 14-year-old Abigail Koff was pronounced dead at the scene by medical staff... She was transported to the hospital, and her body was being maintained because she was an organ donor when doctors noticed a heartbeat and breathing. What? It really was a movie miracle where at first they thought she was totally gone because she had been shot in the head, but no, she was alive. Abigail's journey would be a long and difficult one. She was on a ventilator, and she couldn't open her eyes for a few weeks after the shooting. In the next year after the shooting, Abigail underwent numerous surgeries to repair portions of her skull that were damaged, and then, sadly, she had to undergo more surgeries and more surgeries because she contracted an infection from the surgeries. But... She is alive. She didn't survive. She does have brain damage, but she can speak and everything like that. So, 14-year-old Abigail did survive as well. Her and Tiana were two victims who were shot, but both survived despite crazy odds. I'm so shook. I cannot believe that. I know. It's just really, honestly, like a miracle that they both survived, but, and crazy that Abigail was pronounced dead, and she made it through. I wonder if she has any memory about what happened. I don't know, honestly. But it's really no one's right to question her on that. I know, I know. I'm not sure, because I, I don't, I don't think that she would have, but I'm not sure. That's crazy. So the last thing that I will say is that people obviously are pointing fingers at Uber. They really did nothing wrong because Jason Dalton passed all the background checks. It really is a situation where a totally average person who lived an average life, so we know of, who knows if maybe something behind closed doors that we don't know of, but on the surface so average and normal. Uber didn't have anything that they, there was nothing that they could do to stop this. He passed all the background checks and everything. Uber did say as well that they would help police in the investigation afterward, any information that they needed. 
There was, though, like, the main thing that people were thinking, if Uber couldn't really have done more, then there needs to be some sort of way to notify residents what's going on. So, there was a new legislation passed in Michigan following this event that will send out massive notifications to residents when an active shooter is on the loose. So, because residents were shocked that there was an active shooter and they didn't know. So, Michigan passed a new legislation where I believe it's like an Amber Alert. It will automatically, in the area, send something to your phone if there's an active shooter on the loose. That's a good idea. So, that is the information that I have on what people call the Uber killer, the Kalamazoo shooting spree. It's just crazy that he shot eight people within just a couple of hours, and he could have killed eight people. Literally. It's lucky he only killed six because two of them could have easily died. That is so crazy. I'm seriously so shook. And it, I don't even know what to say about what he said, you know, his reason for it. Mm-hmm. But it's just he was normal before. And it's crazy the fact that even when he was asked during questioning, he already was reflecting on this saying that I thought at the time it was real. So that's crazy, too, because even then, he could just be saying, nope, for sure it was real, going with that. But he's already starting to admit that at the time it seemed real, but maybe it wasn't. And to me, it's just crazy because if he underwent a psych evaluation and he was normal, too, it just I don't understand. I don't either. It's so weird. I s- and that's what, obviously, the GQ article talked about a lot is just... As humans, we need to understand something. And when things like this happen, what is the explanation? Sometimes we'll just never know. But just all these senseless murders, it's hard to know that they happened. And the explanation was the app did it. It's just, I couldn't even imagine for the families how difficult that is, honestly. I couldn't either. That's just so horrific. And another thing, too, when you think about it, all of the victims weren't even Uber passengers. Yeah, they weren't. They're just innocent. He didn't even... That's the thing that's, like, really sad is that he didn't even, at the end, target other passengers. He was clearly just on a rampage. So, truly, what does that have to do with the Uber app? Yeah, it's almost like you wanted the police to say, and maybe at some point they did. We don't have the full transcripts, but it's almost like... If the Uber app made you do this, what did the car dealership shooting have to do with it? Because you just said you wanted to look at a car and you saw them in the parking lot. You weren't even on your way to pick anyone up. And then the Cracker Barrel. Yeah. What did either of those have to do with Uber? So, I'm upset. I know. I know. It is like that stuff. I mean, I get what he said, but it doesn't seem like it all had to do with Uber. And I was just, my mind was blown. I'd never heard of this. This is in Michigan. And this was a murder spree of six people. How did I not hear about this? I know. It is really, really tragic. I also don't know how I didn't hear about this. So just obviously prayers to all of the victims' families, to Tiana and Abigail who are healing, to... The girlfriend who had to watch to Alexis, who had to watch that happen to her boyfriend, 
and his dad, like just everything is so tragic. And then to Carol, so many victims. I wish I'm just sending hugs to. It is really tragic. It's really, really sad. I mean, I'm glad that not everybody passed away, but it's just hard. Yeah. What more can be said? Let us know if you guys have heard about this case. Let us know if there are other crimes and cases that are related to Uber and Lyft, things like that. Let us know for sure if you guys want to hear more of that. Yeah, let us know because I'm shook, so... (laughs) I'm sorry. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Ew That's Creepy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you guys next time for another episode. And as always, stay safe out there, creepy cats. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.